Welcome to The Hammer, where we hit the nail on the head with insights from the world of Canadian renovation and custom home contracting. Now here's your host, the editor of Canadian Contractor Magazine, Patrick Flannery. Hi everyone, this is Pat Flannery. Today I'm joined by Jennifer Kahn. She is the Director of Diversity and Inclusion for Ellis Dawn. Uh, Ellis Dawn has been uh, devoting some significant resources, uh, obviously a full-time position, uh, to uh, promoting the cause of uh, diversity and inclusion in, in their workforce and in the Canadian construction workforce generally. Um, it's uh, an interesting uh, focus for the company. Uh, Jeff Smith made some very passionate comments about this uh, in a uh, speech that he did for the uh, last building show. And uh, it's clearly a, a priority for them and, uh, and a, very, uh, a very nice thing to see uh, out there in the industry. So uh, I wanted to ask Jennifer about uh, what they're doing. They're creating some uh, educational materials that are available to really anyone, not just Elliston uh, people. They've done some online workshops and uh, lots of other initiatives, I think, uh, in the pipeline. So uh, let's uh, enjoy my conversation with uh, Jennifer Kahn and learn about what Ellis Dawn is doing about uh, diversity and inclusion in uh, Canadian construction. I'm with Jennifer Kahn from Ellis Dawn. Jennifer, how are you? I'm excellent. Thanks so much for having me today. So we're going to have uh, it, it, something a little different for the Hammer podcast. We're going to have a little discussion about uh, diversity and inclusion in, uh, in construction. And uh, that's something I know that you're very focused on. Why don't you, uh, 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 I guess, introduce yourself and, and your role at, uh, at Elliston? Absolutely. So again, my name is Jennifer Kahn. I am the head of inclusive diversity at Elliston. I've been working in the construction industry for over 20 years now at various uh, residential home builds, primarily prior to coming to Elliston. I've been at Elliston for about 10 years and uh, traditionally in the learning and development space and in the last few years have done DEI work from the side of my desk, but in in 2020, I had an opportunity to take on this role full time, and I took it. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy to say that Ellis Dawn has put in the resources and time and effort to make this a full time position for for me. Um, and it's needed, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, that's that that's interesting, isn't it? That that here we here here we have a, a a major construction contractor has created a I believe your title is is director of diversity and inclusion or something like that. Yeah. And and uh and and they've created a, a a position and are and are and are this focused uh on the issue that um that uh you know you're 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 there helping that out. So why don't you tell us um why don't you tell us a little bit uh, actually about what that looks like what 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 do you do what 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 sorts of things uh, uh keep keep you busy on your in your role yeah that's a great question and i'd say over the last few years my role has really changed as i mentioned before i've been in this role from part-time since 2018 and that really stemmed out of a conversation with our ceo president and our svp of people and culture when the me too movement was at a tight and they had the foresight to look inward to say, I really want to understand what it's like for folks at Elliston, not just around um, gender inequity or sexual harassment, but also just in terms of diversity and inclusion at large. 
So in the early stages of my career, we were working with outside consultant um, to come in and give us a snapshot of what it was like. And that really set the foundation and the, and the tone for what would be to come. So from that, we included and created training for all of our employees around diversity and inclusion. We added some information into our performance review guidelines and then our competency work and then our, our values. But when 2020 hit and the whole world got turned upside down for a number of different reasons, it really renewed and focused our attention on diversity and inclusion. So what that means for us is not only having the, the demographic diversity at all levels within our organization that is representative of our country, but also creating an environment where people feel like, even though I might be different for X, Y, and Z reason, whether it's race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, religion, whatever it is that makes you different, that you still feel like you belong and you still feel like you have a place here. And that is obviously the more difficult part in the diversity and inclusion aspect of it. And then we get to equity and justice. But my days are filled with supporting our employee-led groups who are focused on combating anti-Black racism specifically, racism and intolerance more broadly, and then gender equality. So I support them and their initiatives as they help to create a strategy for Elliston to follow. And we hope that those in the industry look to us to say, what are you doing? What's working? What's not working? And how can we share and leverage that together? Because we can't do it by ourselves. If Elliston becomes the most diverse and most inclusive GC out there, that's fantastic. But the goal is not that. The goal is to create an industry like that. And so that's how I spend my time and what keeps me up at night. Right. So really, really grabbing your role there as a leader and uh, and, and and trying to, I guess, set an example to some extent uh, that hopefully hopefully others will take you up on. So what so what does the um, what does the training look like? I, I actually I think the way we got in touch was uh, th there was an announcement came around about a workshop or something that uh, I, I believe you guys had done. Uh, with uh, in collaboration with some people in New York, maybe tell me a bit about that, and and tell me a bit about some of the other, uh, I guess, the day to day training and 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 discussions that go on. Sure. If I start from the beginning, it all started with our inclusive diversity training, and that was one of the first initiatives that we rolled out in 2018. And that training is available for for the public. So anybody who wants to take part in it, although it was intended to be internal, we did make it public and available for anybody in 2020. And I'll tell you, when that training was developed, and I think it's still indicative of the time that we're at, there's a, there were a lot of high hopes. It was, we wanted to talk about privilege. We want to talk about bias. We want to talk about um, impact and socioeconomical economical inequalities. And although we wanted to set that bar, when we actually started to talk to people about their experiences, either uh, with racism, discrimination, sexism, xenophobia, whatever it was, we realized that people at that time, and I think still at this time, are on different ends of the spectrum and different spots on the journey. And so we needed to create a common safe space to discuss issues like race, identity, gender. And so the training that we, we put in internally was looking at how do you look at different perspectives? What is 
what does identity mean to me? And how does that differ than it means to somebody else? And it was really meant to just help drive discussion in a way that piqued people's curiosity and engagement. It wasn't to define anything. And then as we gone through the years and gone through our efforts, which takes me to now how we interacted, over the last couple of years, we've heard people say, you need to be an ally, you need to be anti-racist, and you need to be active. And then all these things that we tell people they need to be. And all I kept hearing all, all of those years is, but how do I do that? What do I do when something happens? And so that's where bystander intervention training um, came into play. And we partnered with the Canadian Construction Association to create and provide a session with the training provider called Hollaback Training. And bystander intervention is essentially the tools that we give people that they can use when they witness harassment or discrimination. And so we collaborated with some folks from the British Columbia Construction Association, the Afro-Canadian Contract Association, Upper Canada um, Specialty Hardware, as well as folks from Elistan to really tailor this session to construction so that it made it real for people. And why was that important? Because I think every single one of us at some point in our time has witnessed discrimination, has witnessed harassment, whether it was in the workplace, on the streets, at the dinner table, at a party, we've all seen it. And the question is, did we know what to do at that time? Did we do what we, think, what we thought was right? And now how would that change now that we have this framework um, in place from the training? Yeah, it, it's, um, it's definitely, uh, I, I can see where that's a, a, an interesting component of it. I was, uh, uh, talking a while back with um, um, my uh, group publisher, my boss, uh, uh, who is a woman, and uh, and she was talking about uh, uh, getting catcalled at a, from a construction site, uh, you know, at a, at, a, at her kid's baseball game, you know, and th- and th- you know, and, and I'm like, this is well, it was last year. This is 2021. I mean, you're kidding me. That that still happens. She says, oh yeah, you know, and and it's like it would be probably useful to have. Uh, people on that job site who, you know, could intervene in something like that um, because, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's not enough that, you know, by the time the report gets back to the boss or what, you know, like whatever, I mean, I mean, it's kind of over and, 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 you know, what are you going to do? Have some investigation to find out what went on, you know, no, you're never going to, you know, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of about building, building the culture uh, uh, out there, isn't it? Absolutely. And that is a great example where bystander intervention, so your boss was essentially victimized in that situation by being kind of demeaned and thought of as something lesser than what she brings to the table. And you can't just leave it on her to turn to the people who are catcalling to say, hey, like, stop yeah. it. I mean, she's already she you got to um, know her <laughs> yeah. yeah but not everybody has the ability to do right. that yeah. and so what really is powerful is people like you or i or people who are walking in who can use the five d's of bystander intervention to to figure out for themselves what is the right call and the re and the reason why we do this is so that when people are experiencing harassment or discrimination not only do we now have people who know what to do and call it out, but they're actually going to take action now. 
And we also know that the number of people who, who actually report these forms of discrimination is far less than what's actually happening on the sites. And so we can't just use that measurement as a way to say, hey, we're getting better or not, because we know people don't report for a number of different reasons. And so this training becomes important to say, hey, when stuff like this happens, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm there or if my friend or some, my colleague is there with you, we're going to stand with you. And we know how to do that in a way that supports you in a safe way, but also sets the tone to say, that's not cool here anymore. We don't accept that. And we don't want our people to feel like that because it's not just the bad apples. It's not just the overt catcalling or the sexist jokes. It's also how we speak to each other, how we look at each other in some cases. It's not always that um, overt, but the, you know, the term microaggressions, whatever you want to call them, it's those little things that happen throughout the day. It's the little paper cuts that you get that sends you the signal to say, I don't belong here. Well, and I think a lot of that goes away, right? Even if people have sort of the right attitude, right? I mean, if, 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 if people are aware of the issues in the first place and are, are kind of on board with the program uh you know a lot a lot of that you know pe- people get worried about oh you're going to police every little you know thing that gets said but but like a lot of that gets resolved you know as, as long as people kind of get on the page with the with like i say the overall culture right so i i i think that uh i i think that's a that's a good element i want to come at the importance of of promoting uh, diversity and conclusion kind of a, a, in in two ways with you here um, the first one is, as a lot of what you're saying, I'm going, a lot of this is just great HR policy, right? Like, like you're setting up a, a, now you're setting up a culture in your, in your workplace where, like you say, everyone can feel comfortable, right? And, 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 and everybody can feel like they're part of the family and everybody can feel like, you know, th- th- they have a place in there and they're, and they're not an outsider. And these days when it's so hard to find labor, uh, honestly, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, that, that's that's a fairly important thing to do. Do you agree? I do agree. I, I think the labor shortage is really starting to accelerate how we prioritize and what we value. And you take the labor shortage, you take COVID, and then you take the events of 2020, it all galvanized into how we treat people and how we see each other and, and what we do for each other as we work in our careers. The thing that I that I don't know that I wholly agree with is that this is great HR policy, because and maybe that's just because of my perception of HR. Um, and I think you know, for for many folks, it's like the people who hire and fire. Now at Ellis Dawn, I believe our people and culture team do far more than just that. But this is not an HR thing. This is how I talk to you, how I treat you, what I say to you. It's not HR's responsibility to police or enforce. And Ellis Dawn, that's our purpose. Our purpose is to provide great careers to each other, regardless of where you're from. And while HR might be in some cases the quote unquote enforcer, this is like basic human need of safety, security, and belonging. And I think that is far more than the current reach or really responsibility of HR. So, so what you just did there is you went straight to my second point, which was, <laughs> which was, which was beyond the the. Uh, well, I'm saying HR. What, I, what I'm talking about is retention, uh, really, uh, employee retention. Um, but, but going beyond that, 
um, there's a there's a larger philosophical question here, right? Of 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 justice and 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 what we want our company to look like. And I think that came across very clearly in uh, in in Jeff's comments at the the building show, uh, the last building show. He made a, a great speech and was clearly very passionate about this issue. Uh, and um, and uh, so the, the, I guess tell me tell me a bit about that. How, how this, this aligns with the with really where the company wants to be in the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned. Um, Jeff Smith has been very clear in terms of what the purpose of Ellos Dawn is, and it is to provide great opportunities and careers for each other. It's not necessarily to be the most profitable. It's not to be the biggest. It's not to be the best. It's to make sure that shoulder to shoulder, the person beside, in front of, behind you, are getting the opportunities to live up and perform at their full potential. So inclusive diversity, although we now have a name for it, we have a label for it, it's always been part of our vernacular in our DEA, DNA at Ellis Dawn. Um, and now it's just another evolution of it because it's no longer just something that we see in the background. Now we've got people stepping up to the front to say, I want to make this a priority. I want to make sure that I do this for myself and for those around me. And through our employee leadership groups, from my work of myself and our executive teams, we're not turning back. There's no turning back. I don't think for anybody and, and people won't allow it. People won't let us go back to the way the industry was. We all need to move forward to a place where I, as an Asian female, can feel safe walking a site. Um, and I don't know that I can say that right now. And it's not just because of physical, like the physical hazards of the job, but it's, will I walk a site by myself in the dark? Right. When I know that 80% of the men who are working there, people working on there are bigger and stronger than me. And can I go to the washroom and have facilities in the washrooms that fit my biology as a woman. There's so many things that we ask people to just take and they pay the price, quote unquote, for being not the dominant group. Mm -hmm. My job is to change that. And I take that very seriously. It's a big job. <laughs> <laughs> Expand, expand a bit. Um, you touched on it a little bit. Expand a bit for me on on what has the reaction been? Uh, what, what's the feedback been like? What's the participation been like? How's this been received? Yeah, the training itself, specifically for bystander intervention, the feedback has been fantastic. We were able, we were able to attract almost 700 people within the industry from different areas of the industry. So we had clients, owners, subcontractors, consultants, engineers. We ran the gamut of what our larger industry holds, unions, what have, what have you. Um, and we also have people from a number of different roles, so presidents, contract managers, recruiters, just everybody and anybody within our industry who wanted to do something. And the results were that of the people who responded to our survey, 98% of them now can identify what disrespectful behavior is. And 97% of them say that they can now safely intervene when they witness harassment the very next time they see it. And from you know my point of view in terms of ROI and why we do it, that's why we do it. Yeah. And the goal is always to give people the tools, and that's exactly what people have said that we've done. What's your sense of the of the of the scale of the problem in the in the in the in the industry, Jennifer? Is um, 
um like do you think most most companies are you know pretty much on the on the on the on the right page or try, are trying to do the right thing um or or do you think there's there's really a, a, a widespread level of i don't know ignorance or, or 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 misunderstanding about about diversity and inclusion issues in, in the construction industry i do believe that within the industry i have in my time in the industry i've met maybe a handful of people that i'll call a bad apple mm. which means that the vast majority of people in our industry are good people with good intentions trying to do the right thing right. all that being said it doesn't mean that we're not good people with bias or that, that we're not good people who do harm unintentionally. So do I think that, there, that the industry at large is trying to do better? 100%. Do I think that everybody has the resources to do so? No, I don't. Because this takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of effort and it takes money to do this. Um, but I do think that we historically the industry hasn't been very welcoming to those who were not the dominant group i do see that changing but there is still evidence today that we have a lot of work to do and that discrimination and harassment both in its overt and covert forms continue to exist in our industry let me get into it. Let me get into a, a, a sticky one with you. A lot of people, when they hear diversity and inclusion, think this means some sort of a quota. Uh, you're going to have X numbers of this race, X numbers of that sex, uh, whatever. Maybe, maybe maybe LGBTQ people, whatever. Uh, and and you're going to you're going to have to somehow enforce this representation inside your company. Is that your understanding of what needs to happen, or uh, what, what, how how would you how would you answer that uh, that question? Yeah, I think it's a very valid question. And I think that uh, I know that within Yellowstone, we've had a lot of discussions regarding quotas and targets. I think that it's an, it's it's too much of a leap to go diversity and inclusion equals quotas. I think that it oversimplifies what diversity and inclusion actually means and doesn't actually and shuts people down before they even get going. So I don't like to jump right to that. Diversity for us is about getting people who not only look different, but have different experiences, whether it's through the military, through internationally trained professionals. Like there's all these different elements of diversity that are far beyond just what you can see. And so diversity means that we bring all of those, those people in and that they're represented at all levels, including our senior levels in our organization. But inclusion really means that they feel like they can have a different voice. They feel like they can show pictures of their family if they're not the traditional family unit, quote unquote. And that's a much harder place to get. Now, they're not mutually exclusive either. So when we talk about quotas or targets, quotas is about people thinking, if you don't hit this number, there's a consequence to that. Now, we're not there as an organization to say that here's our quota, you must meet that quota or those consequences because I just don't think that the industry at large is quite ready for that. And it's not our intent actually to say, to punish people for not hitting something. But I do think that there's a place for targets. And I keep saying that, you know, we're, are, are, and you've seen it elsewhere, that the target is to be representative of Canada. Now we know from the 2016 census that 25%, about 22.3% of our population 
are visible minorities. We know that 3.5% of them are Black Canadians or identify as Black. And I think it's 5% who identify as Indigenous. The question is, where are you now as, as an organization? Are you collecting the data to actually determine your baseline? And where do you want to be and how are you going to get there? So we have done that work within Dawn to see what is our population look like in relation to the census, now waiting for the 2021 census data, and how are we going to get there? And we, and we know that there are gaps um, in our representation. Hmm. So do we, sorry, to, to kind of sum it up, do we have targets? 100%. But do I believe that we're at a point where we can penalize people for not meeting it? Not yet. Right. Well, I, I, I think there's probably, uh, based on a discussion actually I had yesterday, uh, uh, we were talking about uh, labor supply in the window and door industry uh, specifically. It's one of the other magazines that I do. And, um, and, and these people had some unbelievable stories about some of the um, uh, uh, temporary foreign workers they had brought in because they had trouble finding workers in their area. And, uh, and, and really the great employees that they were, the, the, the tremendous skill set and the, and the, uh, and, and the hard work. And, and the guy, the one guy, the one guy said for the first time, for the first time in about uh, uh, 20 years, I had somebody asking me for more work. Uh, to do more hours, which he hadn't seen for quite a while with the uh, with the Canadians, uh, and uh, and and so you know, I guess, I guess if you're, uh, I guess the the point there is that uh, if you're, uh, you know, you're thinking I'd like to I'd like to diversify my workforce. Well, geez, there's a lot of great people in you know uh, Jamaica and Mexico and, and 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 different places like that that are dying to come here and work. Uh, so uh, so that's out there as well for some people. Just that's just something that occurred to me as you were talking there. Um, the um, I guess Elliston is a is is a big company, um, and and a lot of resources, and can afford to put uh, a director of diversity and inclusion in place. Uh, clearly, not the case for ninety nine point nine percent of Canadian contractors. Um, what would you suggest a small uh, organization can do? To to be better around this issue and to and to and to just just do what they can to to, to forward this in their in their workplace. Yeah, that's a really great question. And to kind of loop back to one of your previous uh, points, I think there are great talent within Canada okay. who are looking for their next role or role that's economically viable for their lifestyle. And I think that we have not done a great job as an industry of really tapping in, let alone bringing in and inviting foreign internationally trained professionals to our workforce either. So there's, I just believe there's so many gaps and opportunities within our country. Okay. But to answer your questions about small contracts, I think there are some fundamental things that everybody needs to do. And I'd like to say that step one is that your organization needs to be committed to diversity and inclusion. And I don't just mean like a social media post or like a commitment statement. I mean, you actually have to be thoughtful about what you want to include in your commitment statement and why it's important to you and what you're going to do about it. So having just that conversation doesn't cost you anything, um, but starts the discussion around what does diversity and inclusion mean for me at XYZ company? I think the second thing that we have that all companies have to do anyway is uh, revisit their respect in the workplace violence and harassment policy. It's part of our legislative requirements anyway. So companies can now take another look at that to say, and how can we 
enhance that to include diversity and inclusion in what we already have. And those are the two easy steps, well, easy, as easy as that is, but that, isn't, that anybody can do regardless of your size. And then I would say for smaller contractors who don't have the infrastructure or resources that perhaps Ellis John does, is to say there are a ton of free resources out there that you can leverage. The bystander intervention training that we offered uh, was free and for everyone in the industry and Hollaback offers free training all year long to anybody so they can access that. The Canadian Construction Association has a wonderful page on their website. It's a call to action for diversity. And there you will see resources from Ellis Dawn, as well as other folks in the industry who are saying, you want help? Great, here you go. Here's our policy, here's our training, here's some resources to get you started. And you know, Ellis Dawn, we do that. We kind of open the curtain to say, you want, if you want help, we will help you. And we will use our resources to do that because that's part of our responsibility to this industry. Um, and I keep saying it, anybody who, who needs it, it's there not only on the CCA website, but you can find me wherever on LinkedIn, through email, what have you. And I'm happy to, to have that conversation with you as well. That's, that's excellent. Throw out some uh, addresses at me, Jennifer. Where could people reach out if they wanted to, uh, to talk to you about this stuff? Sure. So my email address is jkhan at ellisdon.com. So J-K-H-A-N at ellisdon.com. Um, and the CCA website, I think it's cca.com. Yeah, um, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. CCA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they have it all in there as well. Yeah. Great. Good stuff. Jennifer, fascinating topic. Um, really interesting to see uh, uh, what Alice Don is doing and uh, and 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 the commitment to uh, to, to to this issue. Uh, thanks so much for uh, joining me to tell us all about it. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Thanks for listening to the Hammer. You can find episodes online at CanadianContractor.com or subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. The Hammer is presented by Canadian Contractor Magazine.